Welcome back to Division One Rejects. This is episode 118. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo. And uh, as you can see, nobody else in the building tonight. But that's all right. We've got a great episode. We've got a great guest that will be joining me here shortly. That's James Baker. He goes by JB. If you have heard of him, it's probably from the most episodic podcast in Division Three football, that being in the D3 football huddle. He joins me here shortly to talk about D3's preseason All-Americans. That list was just published recently. We talk about a lot of big D3 football teams that are making a jump in 2023, who to expect to win the Gagliardi Trophy. A lot of great stuff coming for that conversation with JB. But otherwise, today we've got some GMAC preseason rankings. We might look at some other conference preseason rankings as we go through this thing. And uh, some really fun freshman initiations for Division II football teams. And we're not talking some Northwestern shit. We're going to keep it PG on this particular program. Uh, And by PG, we've got a belly flop contest and a karaoke battle. Two really solid clips that you're going to want to stick around for. Very excited To react to those, Um, otherwise, check out the socials. Twitter, D1 underscore rejects. Instagram, at Division1 rejects. We're going to be posting all kinds of highlights and other things, especially as we get closer and closer to the football and fall season kicking off. you got to make sure to follow us on those. But if you are watching on YouTube, remember, you got the timestamps. Bottom of the screen, fast forward to any part of the conversation. Also, timestamps will be posted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate every single one of you. Don't forget to subscribe. Let's get that number up to 1,000 so we can do those live shows. I'm not going to stop pandering until we get to 1,000. You don't know how bad I want to do a live show on game day. Like, imagine how electric that would be, traveling to different Division II games and doing live shows on game. Like, come on. It'd be electric, but enough pandering for today just to wait until next episode for more of it. But uh, before we get into any of the fun content for today, we've got a great conversation with JB. Joining the show tonight, one half of the In the D3 Football Huddle podcast, proud Hobart graduate and all-around Division Three enthusiast, it's James Baker, also known as the man himself, JB. What's going on tonight? Hey, man. It's uh, it's great to be here. I've, I've been a, a fan watching you guys grow your own podcast. Love the the video platform. Love that you're having D3 coaches and, and players represented. And I mean... With, you did one of those great things, like the best names in D3. I mean, yeah. look at you, Co- Kobe Manzo. I mean, like, <laughs> dude, what a great name right there. I mean, you, you should have been on the first one on the list. But um, it's really my pleasure, and it's exciting. This is the first time I've actually done any podcast stuff in my new house here. Um, and, you know, last, what was it, six, seven years with, in the huddle, we, I would sh- I shot it from my old place across the street. Um, but yeah, new new home, new season. It's our fifteenth anniversary of doing our big time reshow, so we're excited. That's big time news, man. Congratulations to you. Thanks. But um, putting myself on the list that we released may have not gotten the uh, the best response ever from the people. <laughs> and there were some good there were some good names on that list. You know, the D two all name team was obviously headlined by Ben Fox from Colorado Mines. That is an yeah. He all-timer. probably doesn't give any, so you know that's a pretty good. One. <laughs> That was a good one. That's sure. great. Um, now, I kind of wanted to start off with you're based out of Florida, correct? Yeah. Yep. And, I'm in Winter Park near okay. Orlando. Yeah. Now, D1 football in Florida, obviously big time, but Division Three. what is the scene like down there? Because I have, I have little to no knowledge of it. Exactly. There is no D3 uh, schools in, in the state of Florida, basically. I mean, there, there have been some uh, talk about some stuff happening, but mostly it's, 
it's a uh, you know big t- big time FBS D one, a little bit of FCS, and then a lot of D two yep. uh, colleges here. Um, even in the town that I'm in, Rollins College is is a D two school. Um, they don't field the football team, but they have like lacrosse and you know soccer and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean Florida has been for a long time very fertile recruiting grounds for D three uh, schools because there isn't really any. It's basically D one or bust down here. And so I think starting off with guys like John Adino at Union College back in the in the late '90s, they would come down here looking for kids to bring up north. And there have been you know some pretty um, pretty good guys that have that have you know, Braxton Plunk, the, the yep. you know one of the preseason all number one uh, you know number one QB for D3Football.com's All American preseason team, a Gallardi finalist is from Tampa, technically Plant High School or you know Plant Florida, but. Yeah, you know, that there have been lots of guys coming out of here into D three, and they they've had some great careers. That's a great point because obviously I think Michigan is a really interesting dynamic because we have a large presence at just about every level, and yep. the FBS scene in Michigan is not the FBS scene in Florida, obviously. But you still do have that large Big Ten presence, especially in the Midwest. Then you go down to the MAC, and then you keep going down. You've got the GLIAC, you have the NAIA presence all over the place, and then D three MIAA in Michigan. It's like Every level is covered. We even got JUCO coming back in the state. So Michigan, yeah. I feel like, is just picked dry at yeah. every level. Yeah, and I think that's a, kind of the same thing in Ohio, too. But, yes. I, you know, speaking of the MIA, you know, Frank and I were, were really more of like a, an East region show for a long time. And it really wasn't until, like, basically when COVID hit um, that we really started paying attention to schools out in, like, the MIA. We had people from Trinon. They – we were definitely very staunch advocates that the kids should have played in the 2020 season. Yep. We liked that schools like Trine and others in, in, in the MIA made some games happen in spite of what um, you know, everyone was saying or worried about. And, um, you know, seeing teams like Albion and Alma, there were some great games. And so we've kind of been able to expand our coverage the last three or four years where we're really kind of a national show now. I mean, yeah, obviously, D3Football.com has always had a little more of a Midwestern bent for obvious reasons, given who's been winning national championships. Um, but our, our, we try to do something that's a little bit different. We're a little more, you know, regions one through four focused because of our backgrounds, guys being, you know, from upstate New York, New England. And um, but it's been fun to, to, to get more of this sort of national feel. And I know Frank made a game out in Chicago last season. He, I mean, that guy goes everywhere. One of these days, I'll try to I'll try to get on the road like him. But I need to get a couple more kids out of the house into college first. <laughs> That's big time. No, totally. And I think it's huge because the D three presence. I mean, if you look at some of the college football maps, the Western presence for lower-level football, definitely not even close to East Coast. The D2 and D3 levels, there's a much more concentrated area over here. And I know um, I visited a lot of schools in the Midwest, Division three wise I've been out to a couple of visits out to Ithaca in upstate New York, actually. So I've been up to that neck of the woods quite a few times. But uh, 15th year for you guys. You've got... Long track record under your belt. Um, for someone watching this show, maybe not familiar with your style of content, what can they be looking forward to coverage-wise when it comes to D3 football this year? So, you know, our, you know because our podcast is, is video, it's, it's a show kind of like this, but we, we do some, you know, editing and, you know, it's not always live and, and like it used to be. Um, but we our focus, and I think what differentiates us from D3Football.com is that we are – uh, you know, we're Frank and I aren't journalists. We're not, um, you know, former sports writers or editors or anything like that. Uh, I, you could say we're kind of more personalities. We take it from the, the view of the fan and we try to lean a little more into um, interviewing the student athletes themselves, kind of hearing their stories, how they ended up at the different colleges that they've 
you know, landed at some of the trials and tribulations of what it's like to be a student athlete. And, um, you know, honestly, for me, the, the best part of doing this whole thing has been the chance to meet these guys. And, and a lot of times, you know, extended family, the, you know, the moms and dads and aunts and uncles and all this kind of stuff, you get this, this um, real, there's this real family feeling at the D3 football level. I mean, you're not going to be in a stadium with, you know, 50,000 people and things going crazy. It's, it's definitely much more of a, you know, a family environment. And so being able to highlight these amazing kids that are doing, you know, working their butts off and uh, you know, juggling classes and, and uh, you know, full-time course load, having careers. And it's just, it's just been really gratifying to, to try to put the spotlight on that and focus on what I think is really the purest uh, form of the sport. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's my favorite part because we've had, shoot, this is episode like 118 for us. And we've had more than that many guests on the show throughout. We started this in 2020 and like the you amount of stories. No What's we, that? We, we're, we're technically the most episodic D3 football yeah. podcast. We have like 365 episodes or there something under our belt, but you're at 118. You'll, you'll smoke us in like two more seasons. <laughs> we'll see, man. Hey, two a week is, is tough work right now, but I, yeah. I think it's great because there's so many stories and there's so many people yeah. out there. And that's, I'm with you. That's my favorite part. We get guys on here that have crazy stories um, all the time. And a lot of them do come from the D3 level, but Wanted to talk about some D3 teams heading into 2023 here, fall of 23. And when you look at the preseason rankings, I guess we start at the top, right? Because that's what everyone talks about. The preseason rankings from D3football.com come out. 22 of the 25 first place votes go to North Central. Now, does that come down to, not to bash anyone over there, is that because they're that good? Is it lazy voting? Is it a combination of both? What's going on? It's a combination of both because, you know, even though they lost Ethan Greenfield to graduation, they're bringing back a huge chunk of that national championship team uh, defense and offense. Um, You know, so I think the way that they handled themselves last year and and how dominant of a team they were. I mean, I know Mount Union got it, gave us a little excitement there in the fourth quarter, but really that was a pretty one-sided game for all intents and purposes for, you know, three plus quarters. And so, yeah, they just, they really become that dominant. Um, You know, Frank and I, when we do our preseason show, we actually put together our own top 25. And in certain ways, it's similar. I mean, technically, Frank is one of the 25 um, national voters for D3Football.com. His votes go in there. But he and I did our own thing. We didn't look at, you know, what we um, were thinking until after the fact. And we sort of merged our ballots together. And it's interesting because we, we are... We agree a lot with the D3Football.com top 25, but we have teams like Mary Harden, Baylor, DelVal, Lacrosse, Wheaton, Carnegie Mellon, River Falls, and Salisbury in very different locations on our poll than on theirs. And we'll do a little bit of a reveal there on uh, our preseason show, which should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Uh, and talk through that and sort of say like what, what we think um, when it comes to this top 25. Yeah, that's big time. And a couple of schools that um, I've noticed have been kind of of contention. I know the uh, the WEAC, the, the fans of the WEAC were definitely in a little bit of shock when this comes out. Not to say they weren't represented in the top 25, but you don't get to that yeah. first team until number 11 with Whitewater, followed by Lacrosse, and then you've got Oshkosh on this thing. list. I think one of the biggest stories going into the 23 season is like how big of an enigma Whitewater is because they, you know, they lost more games last year than they had in a while. They lost some pretty key players at top positions. And so they had, you know, the relatively new coach. It's like for the first time in a while, it's like, who are these guys? I mean, 
could uh, could they be a national title contender? Yeah, but they could also lose two or three games. And I think there are some teams in the in the We Act that really feel like, hey, this could be the year that we you know can get over these guys. Same thing in the ASC. Mary Harden Baylor lost a ton of yep. offensive and defensive talent. Harden Simmons has been dying to get a win against these guys for like the last two decades, and and they have a lot coming back. Um, so is this the year that we sort of see some of the you know the the, the little brothers and the you know the second place teams and these conferences finally punch through yep. the uh, ceiling and, and and get in there? It'll be fun to watch. Definitely, because you you like you said. A lot of these teams have had a chokehold on their respective conferences. I'm not to say that a team like Mount Union will be usurped this year because you'd have to go back to, I think it was like 2016 or 17, where you had to find someone who wasn't named Mount Union to come out of that conference in the OAC. Well, Mount but Union was lucky to win their conference championship. It took the flukiest play of all time. I know it. The little catch the and then the tip over. And Alden Wallace had the unreal. Know, victories from the Jaws – defeat from the jaws of victory. I and mean, it was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen, but guys like Wayne Ruby make that stuff happen. And yeah. so there you go. Team I'm really excited about Delaware Valley coming back. We've had the chance to uh, uh, bring their quarterback on as one of our sponsored athletes. Yeah, the show, Barrios, deal, who obviously we know he's a dog, but the rest of that team, you bring back a lot of starters in that on that side of the ball and on defense and I'm really excited because they have a great test to open the year against Cortland, who's also featured yeah. in just about everyone's top 25. And mm -hmm. with Cortland and Ithaca being up there as two teams, I mean, biggest small college football game in the world, right? You talk about the Cortica Jug game. But back to, to DVU, that's definitely a team that I'm excited about this season when they ran into the bus. I believe it was Mount Union that took them out of the playoffs, correct, last year? Yeah, and, and, you know, the biggest question mark around the Aggies is what's life going to be like now that they're basically that this fully loaded All-American defensive line has graduated. Yes. So um, can they reload? I mean, last season, Frank and I were a little tough on them early on, but Louis Barrios really came around and became the, the, the star quarterback that they needed to, to get that offense running. The prior year in the playoffs, they kind of sputtered out against uh, Muhlenberg. He just didn't really, wouldn't, couldn't put any points on the board. Um, but they'll definitely be favored in the MAC, particularly with some of the conference realignments with the, with the landmark and the, and the centennial. Um, you know, also in region one, I'd keep an eye on Endicott. They have games yep. in week two against Ithaca and week four against Harden Simmons, which came out of nowhere. I it was just funny. added that one. Correct. Their, their head coach was like asking us to retweet. They were desperately looking for games and Hey, you got to give the goals credit for raising their hand. That's going to be a really interesting uh, week four matchup in, in a region three team coming all the way up to new England. Never happened. I can't think of, I've been a D three football fan for three decades now, I can't remember a New England team having two top 10 opponents in the first four weeks of a season ever. It's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, um, I believe it was UMHB is they start their year with just a plethora of top ranked opponents. I want to say looking at their schedule. So that's going to be one of those squads too, but um, Trinity, uh, St. John's, all those schools are sort yeah. of, you know, mixing it up early on. And, and so it'd be really interesting to see, you know, kind of where the dust settles after about week three. Absolutely. Brand new locker room over there at uh, Endicott, too. I don't know if you saw. I got to look at that. Yeah, they, they like to tout their beach ball and, you know, the guys yeah. like emerging from the ocean and stuff. Uh, <laughs> you saw, really you guys saw the job. same video that I saw. With, and it was a sweet video. And then you're cutting away to seagulls. And I understand there's not much room to work with there, given the mascot, but not a very intimidating animal. 
I will. <laughs> I just will say yeah. that much. I do think it's cool though that they have like the Eagles, you know, style helmet. Though. Totally, wing helmet is a co- is a good look for sure. And and the color schemes that they, I'm not a huge fan of of all the alternative uni- you know, uniforms. I'm a little old school, but I think what Endicott has done has been pretty good. Love it, love it. Now, a team I've been intrigued with a good bit. We actually had, um, I believe, one of their players on our all name list, uh, one of the Horn brothers, but Trinity, Texas. That yeah. squad is at least it seems like has a lot of hype around them coming into 2023. What have your thoughts been on them? Well, absolutely. I mean, they, they're, they're bringing a lot back. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Tucker Horn probably had one of the plays of the year last year with that um, unbelievable pass to beat Birmingham Southern uh, in the final play. Um, you know, they battled against, uh, you know, Mary Hart Baylor a couple of years in a row. Now they seem to be ready to take that next step. I know Frank is definitely going to be going down to San Antonio uh, for at least one of their games awesome. this season. And um, so, yeah, we'll be talking a lot about Trinity. They 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 look like one of these teams that, that could be, you know, Final Four, maybe even a, a Stag Bowl contender. Okay. I like that. I like that. Now, last piece on, on the teams here. If you had a, you know, a horse in the race, as they say, who is your your dark horse squad or someone that isn't receiving the votes or the the hype that you, you know, might have expected right now, but you could see definitely being in that conversation come November? Um, well, there's probably a couple. I mean, obviously, you know, Frank would probably be nudging me if I said Hobart because I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't go, I can't be too, um, you know, too biased. But you know, a team that that I find intriguing um, in the pack actually is Washington and Jefferson because they okay. they barely lost to Carnegie Mellon on a kind of a fluky six six pick uh, you know, pick six. I should say at the end of that one, um, you know, their quarterback Pew has been, you know, he kind of got put into the system early on in the year. Then they, they, you know, struggled a little bit, but then he kind of came into his own. They beat my Hobart statesman in the ECAC Bushnell bowl. Pretty, pretty soundly. I think that that team could be one to watch. I mean, Carnegie Mellon though, to me is still, um, they're such an interesting team and I don't think they get enough credit for how well they played North central in the playoffs. I mean, they were, they led seven, nothing after the first quarter, they scored more points on, on North Central than Mount Union did for yeah. three quarters. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's pretty – that was a pretty impressive performance, and they're bringing back a lot of guys. And so they'll they'll be another, you know, tough team to beat. I think um, in Region 3, you probably had – like I mentioned before, I mean, you wonder about Harden-Simmons, Belhaven. Now that they're in their new conference, can they kind of make that next step in Region 4? You have the usual suspects like DePaul and Wabash and – Obviously, Mount Union. John Carroll with um, Coach Behrman taking over from Union. Absolutely. They, have, I think they play Whitewater in week one. That's a bit of a tough draw for them. I, mean, I sort of kind of joke around. With, I, would, I would joke around with Coach uh, Behrman and be like, did you did the athletic director tell you before you took this job that that's who you were playing in your first game? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, though, they're still ranked in the top, I think, 20. And, you know, they could be uh, – what if they beat Whitewater in week one? And, yeah. I mean, wow. You never know, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and moving over to, you know, talk about a little bit of the preseason All-American team. Talk about some of these guys in this class. And I guess the team we didn't actually, uh, I meant to bring up a little bit earlier, is uh, Warburg, who placed a lot of these guys on these preseason accolades. I believe it was a record amount um, as far as their history in football goes, especially with the D3Football.com rankings. And that's a squad that um, it feels like, at least, you know, 
outsider's perspective, there might have not been one or two guys that stuck out extensively, but it was a, a very good team effort from them. And obviously when you win the amount of games they have, you're going to put guys on accolades lists like these. Yeah, I mean, and, and some of their defensive performances. We actually had Owen Grover, uh, one of their linebackers, on our show in, okay. the, uh, in the semifinal round. And, and yeah, they, I mean, they were just such a tough defensive unit. And when you kind of look at these teams, I mean, it's, like I said before, it's very heavily weighted towards um, the mid the Midwest. But at the same time, you know, maybe to pull the curtain back a little bit, keep in mind that, you know, this this list was compiled by just a few people, not really a coach's list. You know, it's, you know, on one yep. hand, do they have an encyclopedic knowledge of the sport? Yes. But, you know, one of the things that stands out, though, is, you know, can can an average you know guy like me, you know, tell the difference between what's a first team All-American linebacker versus a third? Like, does the guy scrape faster? Is he bigger? Is he faster? You know, so there's a little, you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, subjectivity there. But at the same time, I thought, it was an interesting list when you consider how many guys have come back for that fifth year that are yes. taking into the COVID year. And I think that's why you saw some, I, mean, I know that there was a little bit of grumbling around, you know, AJ Wingfield getting the third team QB oh, yeah. who won a national championship. And so it was kind of like, well, is, is AJ better than Luke is, you know, <laughs> a lot of I hear that. A lot of times these lists do lean towards the the upperclassmen, so it, you know that's that's another thing. It's it sort of gives a little nod to the guys who were on their last season, but you know you could have a field day debating it. But I you know I thought it, you know like every year um, there's only so many spots of 240 something teams, 250 if you're including the NESCAC, and now we've got some new squads like Hilbert and Eastern joining the fray and, and yeah. Pennsylvania. So there's you know there's just so many you know but a hundred hundred Man, rosters in general. Do it's you, tough, man. 24, 25,000, you know. It's people. a great problem to have. Like, it's a great yeah. problem to have, but it's still, it's difficult to encapsulate all of that. And I remember actually when I was at Ithaca and Coach Torper and I having a conversation about, that was when Wingfield was coming in to Ithaca. And I okay. remember those guys being over the moon about this kid before he even stepped oh, yeah, on the field. That has obviously panned out for them. He was a guy coming out of New Jersey that had every single accolade at the high school level, but the knock on him is obviously that he was what just too, a little bit too short, a little bit yeah. too slow. They didn't that's, think he had the arm talent, but he is a, story, a gamer. That's a story of like most D three guys, and and so they they get on these you know national stages like a Cortica, and they they win big. I mean, yeah, you know, he's he's definitely a baller. He um, you know makes some great throws. I've seen him make some amazing throws to beat my team a few times over the last <laughs> yep. couple of years. I can't wait till he graduates. Like get. This, get, get. <laughs> But uh, Ithaca should be fun to watch. Um, you know, they're ranked, I think, number nine right now. And they've, yep. they've got a pretty interesting schedule early on. They've got a new turf field up at up at uh, Butterfield. I think they finally can turn the hose off and water, you know, they don't have to water the grass anymore. That's something, man. On the hill. But it's a it's one of the it's one of the more picturesque settings. Um, oh, dude. D3 football. It's incredible. We're looking the um the you know, the finger lakes and all that. It's 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 a cool yeah. spot. Looking down to Lake Cayuga there. I was there at that um, the Cortica Jug game at MetLife and talk about mm -hmm. atmospheres, man. That was one of the most incredible football experience I've had at any level, walking out of the tunnel down there and just like pinching yourself and being like, this is Division Three football. It makes absolutely zero sense, but um, still going to be really exciting. Now they're... They got the turf field, but it's nothing like SUNY Morrisville's new uh, setup they got over there, huh? That made yeah. quite the buzz. 
Yeah, that, yeah, I, I, I got so pissed off about that. I couldn't believe all these idiots that were. Trying to <laughs> yeah, it exactly. I was like, have you ever been to upstate New York? It doesn't get that hot. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, man. And honestly, you know, it ended up being a PR boon for them. I think it got like five million, six million views. I'm oh, yeah. sure it's attracted some kids that may not have. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Morrisville. That's a pretty remote part of upstate New York. It's like farm country. My my cousin actually went there and she was in like the future farmers of America kind of thing. You know, oh, no way. High school. So awesome. it's, it's kind of that vibe, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, coach Raby is a, a great guy. He's, He's the man job building that program. And uh, I know they recruit well and, and they do all the right things. So they, they would never, you know, put anyone in harm's way because of a, you know, heat exhaustion or absolutely. Yeah. So, we had a chance to have him on the show. He was great. Um, yeah, he was just, he was a great personality. But even I will say the jokes that came out of that. Some of the players even leaned into it on TikTok and some other things oh, where yeah. they would they would like as soon as they step foot on the field, like rolling around in agony and getting sprayed <laughs> off by the hose. What like that yeah. was comedy, and Come I think on. it took like and one of the athletes there to actually have like a temp gun to go out there yeah. and hit the green parts and, like, and the and the black parts until that kind of just died down a little bit. But you're right, though. Yeah. I think just smart PR move overall, just something to really distinguish themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's hard to do when, when you think about how many D3 schools there are, particularly in, from, like, okay, you, I can even say, like, out from, like, Michigan down through Virginia all the way up through, like, Maine. That's a huge, I mean, there's, it's so condensed and there's D2 and FCS and, and D1 schools all compacted on top of that to stand out in, in what's a pretty competitive market. And, you know, the reality is too, a lot of the D3 schools, um, you know, that aren't in the Ivy League are still like, they're, they're expensive, but they're also super high academics. The yep. kids are graduating, making a ton of money. You know, they're, so it's it's a big investment, and so there's a lot of competition for those dollars. And so any any little thing you can do to make yourself stand out makes sense. That's Division Three in a nutshell, man. Is how can you separate themselves because you can't give those athletic scholarships. So even looking at like some of our local teams, Hope College downstate over on the west side, yeah. like Holland area in Michigan, they've got some of the best facilities in the state. I want to say as far as um, with their football that, and basketball I would setup, say that like ninety percent of 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 solid D3 school program like programs have better facilities than D2 schools and most of, of SCS I would argue. Yeah, I would agree with that because each your money is just going elsewhere to support those programs. It's interesting. Now we're a bit of an anomaly up here at Northern. We play in the largest wooden dome in the world and have to I gotta flex that every once in a while because we are no. spoiled big time in the superior dome when it gets up here and we have about eight feet of snow come December. But uh yeah. Either way, I wanted to talk just a couple more things for you here. Yeah. Gagliardi Trophy watch list. You mentioned Wingfield, maybe Plunk, or a guy even like Wayne Ruby. Like, who are guys that we can expect to be in that conversation, like I talked about earlier, come November and the later parts of this year? Well, the obvious one you just said is Plunk because he was he, he's the only guy who's coming back this year who was a finalist last season. Yep. So assuming he puts up similar numbers, he'll be back in the picture um, I think the last, other than obviously Greenfield being a running back, the last three or four winners were quarterbacks. So typically those are the guys that, um, that get that look. I know that um, the, the quarterback for St. John's is, is coming back for another season. He That's could right. be in the conversation. Um, 
Berghammer from uh, uh, you know Oshkosh has, is a big guy, a lot of talent. If their team can take that next step, he, maybe he gets in the conversation. They might have the best receiving duo over there at uh, Oshkosh as well. And I got to see those guys play. They came up not this past year, but the year prior, came up to the Superior Dome, and actually they beat us up here. That was a, that was a hell of a squad. And so I've seen, I've seen those guys play in person. He's going to have at least poised to have a really big year this year. Yeah, I mean, Tucker Horn, I think, too, you know, being a top quarterback would, would get a serious look, I would say, you know, potentially – um, you know, maybe maybe Grover from Wartburg as a linebacker. Every once in a while, you do get defensive guys okay. who get get serious looks, and he's had a pretty impressive run. There's also that um, uh, Sh- uh, Shurman from uh, Johns Hopkins. I'm probably not saying his name right, but he's one of the top edge rushers in the nation. Um, I think he had like 14 or 15 sacks last season, and, and Hopkins yeah. is going to be. Uh, you know, a, a potential playoff team in the Centennial. So there could be any number of guys, but it's probably going to be a quarterback. I mean, maybe um, Luke Lennon gets his gets his chance now that he's a junior. He might get his you know name um, read off in there. But you know, we'll just try to wait and see. Um, you know, it's a it's a fun process. I know Frank has always been real involved in the pro- in the production of the actual the the show and and the presentation. It was cool last year. He actually got to go to a um, a dinner held at uh, for, for North Central getting ready for the Stag Bowl and basically go up to Ethan Greenfield and tell him to his face, guess what? You're the Gillardi winner. And the whole that's team so awesome. celebrated it. And it was, I think that's the first time that's happened in a while. And so um, those are the little things that Frank likes to do behind the scenes, which I think is pretty cool. He, he likes to make it about the kids. And, and that's really what our show has always been about. I love it, man. Well, I've kept you for a little while. Let you get back to the fam there in the new place. But uh, I really, I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to hopefully work with you guys a lot more as we go through this season. Um, It'll be interesting for us navigating through it because I know like we didn't do a show during football last year with me still being a student athlete um, and working for the university. So um, the schedule just didn't work out, but now uh, I think we're going to have a lot more opportunities this fall. I'm very excited and uh, excited to see what you guys produce as well, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we'll look forward to collaborating in the future. And you know, send me one of those uh, T-shirts at size XL. I'll wear it on our show. It looks pretty sweet. I might have uh, to. I might have to hook you up on that. I can. I can probably yeah. make that happen. I'll sell. You know, I'll, I'll. You know, postage and shipping or whatever. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I've got a. I've got a pretty serious. Unfortunately, my wife is always just like, oh god, because I have. I have a lot of D three football T-shirts. <laughs> I love it. Jerseys. Um, it's kind of funny, uh, a couple of helmets. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, it, it's kind of the, one of the little perks of doing the thing and, and, um, you know, sort of being out there and, uh, just being a fan. I mean, absolutely. That's really what it's all about it. It's, I'm a fan of, of this level. And, uh, even though I was a crappy football player, I made up for it from being a, a one of the bigger fans of it. So <laughs> big time you get in where you can, man, but yeah. JB, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. And, uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Cody. Talk to of you course. soon. Have a good one. Appreciate JB joining the show. Had a great time talking with him. And um, like time flies when you have those kind of conversations. I feel like we could have gone, we could have gone all day, but really do appreciate him. Excited to see what kind of content they turn out because uh those guys are just they're lifers, man. They've been around the sport. You said it, this is gonna be their fifteenth year covering D three football. Like you cannot undermine that level of experience. I'm just like the new kid on the block. So I appreciate those conversations a ton, but we can talk a little bit of uh, D2 football. Get back in back. Ugh. English. Get back into my realm of things. Let's talk about the GMAC a little bit. Here's the preseason coaches poll from the great Midwest Athletic Conference. And the biggest piece here, Ashland, 
Pick to repeat as champions. Literally no surprise with that one. They went uh, 10 and 2 last year, 7 and 1 in conference play. They did drop that surprising game to Hillsdale, who had a very up and down year but showed a ton of promise. They're pick number five in this coach's poll. And they, uh, Ashland, they're talking about the Eagles again. They served as a host site, host site for the first round of the playoffs, D2, beat Notre Dame by a one-score game, but then ended up losing to the one seed in the region, that being IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. 19-13, to real close game. Uh, First-year head coach, Doug Geyser, or Geezer, excuse me, over there at Ashland. Definitely excited to see what they do this year. Now, coming in at second, you've got Tiffin, the Dragons. A team, them and Finley, I feel like have been in the same category for a long time, so to see them at two and three just makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, Tiffin, second place. They had three first-place votes compared to how many did the six first place votes for Ashland three for Tiffin and Tiffin had 71 total Ashland had 78 so really the gap not that large in the in the GMAC at least from the coach's perspective but then after that drops off a little bit one first place vote for Finley 64 points total and then you look at I mean this top five makes a ton of sense to me. At Ashland, Tiffin, Finley, Ohio, Dominican, and Hillsdale. Those teams, for me, all be could be in contention for it this year. That's not a shot at 6 through 10. Just don't think they're going to be sniffing a conference title. Totally respectable, especially in this league. Northwood at 6, Kentucky Wesleyan at 7. You've got Lake Erie, Walsh, and then the new addition from NAIA level, Thomas Moore coming in at 10. Not a shocker that they're not receiving a lot of love in this preseason poll, but you know they're going to have every opportunity to show up and show out when it comes to this year in the GMAC. So uh, I'm excited to see a lot of this stuff, what happens, especially with Ashland. They return uh, their senior running back, a couple great pieces on defense and the linebacker and the safety core. And, you know, it feels like Ashland is a really well-rounded team. They do lose some big pieces. Um, They lose uh, one of their stud linebackers who's now playing in the XFL, I believe. And um, when you lose a cornerstone of your defense like that, sometimes can be tough to replicate that success. But I don't doubt they're going to have any, you know, they're not going to really have a lot of problems doing that. It's just my outside opinion. Um, Excited to see, though. Excited to see what happens with that. And um, today will be a quicker episode. But before we get uh, to the end of the episode, we've got some fun stuff to react to, that being some freshman initiations. And the first one I want to talk about is from the reigning national runner-up, that being... Colorado School of Mines, the Division II school in the RMAC. And when you look at these pictures, this is a freshman initiation like no other. They've got a belly flop contest in Clear Creek. (laughs) This is awesome. I mean, we're going to watch a karaoke video in, in a few minutes here, but I have never seen a belly flop contest as a freshman initiation. By the way, the creek looks awesome. I love this. These are some of the frames from the competition. That is dedication, too. That is flat-out dedication, arms spread, midair. By the way, it looks really shallow at this area, which is semi-concerning. But I love the dedication from this kid. I hope he won it. We've got a video here, actually, that is potentially even better than the clips we just watched. So let me pull that up shortly for you. Um, this should make you laugh, if nothing else. Let's get the volume on it, because I think you need to hear the song. I don't know if we're going to get copyrighted for it. I think it's worth it. Check this out. (laughs) 
Like, like that is rapids. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> you definitely just got a face full of rock. That is like that's incredible to me. And like the sell, like they're fully selling this, like full send, I guess is what you would probably say, right? To me, oh big fella. Oh big fella. Like that is whitewater rapids. How are we belly? There's gotta be a drop off right there, or else this they would not be doing the elbow stuff. Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> like, you're telling me these guys aren't getting a face full of rocks at the bottom of this creek? They have to not be because they look way too fun doing it. But one of these guys, man, I think it was, he'll be coming up here. The amount of air that he got on this was commendable. That guy got zero air. I don't, I would like to know what his vertical is. I'm going to guess little to none. Here comes, here comes Mr. Vert. Hold on. This might be him, right? Yeah. But he was floating. He was floating. This might be the best freshman initiation I've ever seen. Look at all the boys there. This is great. You come in as a freshman. You want to make a name for yourself? What do you do? You make a play on the field, make a big tackle, interception, maybe carry the ball for a touchdown? No. You belly flop that motherfucker. Straight into the creek. That's how you prove that you're the man. I love this. I thought it was, I just thought that was way too cool um, not to show. But um, we, can, we can talk about a little bit more of a, I guess you'd say a common Freshman initiation. We see this at the NFL all the time, like the karaoke, the impromptu karaoke from the rookies. Take it down to the college level, the D2 level specifically. Northwood University, in the GMAC, this is the league that we just talked about, they had a kid that showed up and showed out for karaoke night. And this, this clip's incredible. This clip is incredible. And to give some context before we watch it, this guy's name is Steeler Leap. I did not know about him. He might have made the all-name team. He might be on the all-singing team. Let's watch the video. We'll talk more about uh, Steeler afterwards here. Listen to him singing a little Chris Stapleton. (laughs) He's just warming up. You ready? Sweet. Now the boys are buying in. Okay. That's it right there. That's it, right? You saw you saw when he won him over, right? When a bunch of 18 to 24-year-old dudes get real high-pitched like that, that's how you know you're in. Like, there's no better indicator of knowing that you're one of the boys now officially. You got grown dudes squealing like children after you sing that shit. <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. Shout out Steeler, man. That was, oh, I loved watching that. He is from Fairland High School in Proctorville, Ohio. He, uh, on his Twitter, says he's an athlete. He played receiver in high school, played linebacker, played running back. I mean, 
literally did not high school was one of those guys as a lot of division two and division three athletes are um, assuming we'll be seeing him potentially a wide receiver for Northwood. I guess I'll have to figure that out. But um, if hey Steeler, if football doesn't pan out, my friend, you've got a backup. Like nobody's telling you to quit, like to keep your nine to five, Like you quit your nine to five whenever you want. You might, you might find them down in Nashville in a couple of years for all I know. Shout out Steeler. Shout out Northwood. Even if they're sixth in the poll, got themselves a do with some vocal cords, but, uh, it's a pretty lighthearted, pretty quick episode today. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on the socials, like I said earlier. Subscribe on the YouTube so we can get to those live shows. Uh, let us know who we need on the podcast. We've got a couple of good guests lined up. I haven't locked down any dates yet, but uh, don't be surprised if we pull out some big names for uh, Tuesday and Friday next week. Appreciate you all listening very much. It's been D1 Rejects. Kobe Manzo, signing off.